All right, let's pray and we'll get going today. Father, we thank you today, God, even that story that Miss Vicky just shared. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you that when you put a dream in our heart, God, when you give us a vision, God, that you'll see to it that it will come to pass in your timing and your way. And so, Father, thank you today just, uh, I guess, just from using that story, God, just to encourage us. Lord, there's so many things that you've put in our hearts over the years. And, uh, Lord, even as she said earlier, God, that we wouldn't lose hope. Um, but Father, that we would just kind of grab a hold of you in faith and just remember, God, that which you have spoken with your mouth, you will fulfill it by your hand. And so, Father, we just thank you today, God, even as we uh, go to your word. Father, thank you for just allowing our hearts to be open. Thank you for the Holy Spirit coming and teaching as he sees best. And so, Lord, we just open up our hearts wide. We open our ears, open our eyes, God, just to receive from you today. In fact, can you just say this when we say, Lord, say, Lord, I receive all that you have. For me today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, you know, for you guys that have been here the past few weeks, you know that we've been talking about uh, how in this journey with God, uh, we'll walk through God-ordained uh, dry places, God-ordained wilderness places. So if you're taking notes, uh, today's just passing through uh, part three. So if you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. Amen. So, listen, it's very important that we understand today that these wilderness seasons uh, were never designed by God to hurt us, to harm us, or to punish us. Rather, they were designed for our good. Can somebody say, my good? Ultimately, it's this, that God designed wilderness seasons or dry places for, so that his purpose could be fulfilled in our lives. Now, let me go ahead and maybe uh, say this really quick, just in case anybody's thinking it. What I am not saying is, is that this is the only way God does these things. Okay, I know God, God, listen, God has the ability uh, to do things however he wants to do it. He uses all kinds of situations and circumstances. That's why we can never make the mistake by putting God in a box. Yes, in fact, that um, anyways, we just don't want to do that today. So but what I am saying is, is this is just once again, one of the ways God does these things. So let's start here today. That it's during the wilderness seasons and that basically that our hearts are purified by the refiner's fire. That's during this wilderness season that godly character is developed in us. It's in these seasons where the fruit of the Spirit grows. It's in these seasons that we gain God's perspective. And this is the one I really want to focus on today. It's this last one. Is that it's in the wilderness seasons that we are trained and prepared for our next assignment. It's in the wilderness seasons that we are trained and prepared for our next assignments. Let me give you two fast definitions. The word prepare means this. Please write this down. It means to set in order, to get ready, to train, and to equip with necessary, or we could say it this way, with required provisions. I'm going to say that one more time, that when God is putting us in this wilderness season, he's trying to prepare us. What does that mean? That he wants to set an order. He wants to get ready. He wants to train and he wants to equip us with the necessary provisions. Let's go a little bit deeper in this. Okay. The word prepare actually comes from the Latin word that's spelled P-A-R-O. I don't know how to speak Latin, so I'm not going to try to say it. All right. But but basically it means this in the Latin. I love this. It means to be pointed in the right direction, to be pointed in the right direction, to be made complete. And the last one, this is my favorite here. It means this, to be equipped for battle. If that's what it means when God comes, he wants to prepare you saying, look, I want to point you in the right direction. I want to make you complete and I want to equip you for battle. How many of you guys know we are in a battle? Yes. The moment that you got born again, uh, you, you signed up for the army of God. If you knew it or not, and you were set forth in a spiritual battle, that's not what flesh and blood, but it is against principalities and dark places, darkness and high places. Right. Yes. So listen, the Bible makes uh, Bible echoes this uh, definition in Psalms 144, verse one. It's pretty popular, I guess. So most of you heard it, but it says this. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains Somebody say trains. How many of you guys know that it takes a, a uh, period of time to train someone? So even let me stop here and understand this, that that if you start a new job, you always go through a training period. Correct. In other words, most of the time when you get a job, they don't say, OK, there's your workstation. Go get them. That's called failure waiting to happen. Right. So it says this, who trains my hands for what? Come on, talk to him. Who trains my hands for and my fingers for battle. Do you understand that we have one of the greatest militaries in the world. 
Amen. Listen, uh, how many of you guys know that people don't just show up for basic training? You know, they don't just show up somewhere at, at, at uh, you know, Fort Leonard Wood. They don't show up down at Bending. They don't show up somewhere and go to basic training and go, you know what? You've been here a week. Awesome. You got your outfit. Here's your gun. Go get them. I had to say that that way. Do you understand that? It's like because there's training in hand. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, uh, what is God trying to get in order in your life? Because the truth is, is there's something in every one of our lives that he's still trying to get in order? Is that truth? What is he training and equipping you for? Meaning, are you looking ahead? Are you pointing in the right direction? Are you prepared for battle? Especially if you're a young person in here. You know, you need to begin to ask yourself. It's not, not necessarily going, okay, when I graduate high school, what am I going to do? The bottom line is, what does God want you to do? Because God has designed you and uniquely made you uh, for the sole purpose to do something in his kingdom. And uh, you would make um, a great mistake by just running and doing it in your own way. Right? You should be seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, what are you trying to get in order in my life? What are you trying to train and equip me for? What, you know, what direction do you want me to be pointed in? And am I prepared for battle? Now, let me kind of share something with you. I, I didn't... Um, I got that definition years ago when I was teaching a leadership class in a college, as far as it being in the Latin. And I didn't realize that basically the connection of that, let me say this, I had this definition. Years later, God gave me a dream, and I didn't realize that they were connected with the two. And I'm going to show you how this kind of came to life for me, okay? Basically this, I've told you guys uh, several times already that God spoke to Jennifer and I over 14 years ago. Uh, We were actually in... um, in uh, Pasadena, Texas, God spoke to both of us and said, look, you're going to be a senior pastor one day. Fast forward in our story, 10 years, I didn't really think much about it. It was kind of on the shelf. God, whatever you want to do, I'm not really in a hurry, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then four years ago, the Lord spoke to me in prayer, and he just simply said that one word that I've said to you again and again. And there was the word was prepare. Instantly, when I heard that word prepare, I knew that God meant this, that he was wanting me to get prepared, basically to make a transition out of the church that we were formerly in in North Carolina and the position that I had there at that church because he was about to transition us into a senior pastor role. So I've also told you this, that, you know, immediately when when I knew I heard that, I knew what steps I needed to take in that. And it's, it's kind of like that when God speaks to you. A lot of times, you know, OK, here's the next step that I got to take. And so, you know, I realized that I needed to begin to pray into what, what God was doing, meaning this, that I needed to uh, come into agreement with what he was wanting to do in my heart. I needed to begin to just kind of uh, tune my heart in and look at what he was looking at, focus on what he was focusing at. And then I also needed to do this. I needed to begin to read books on the subject, meaning that I needed to uh, basically begin to turn my attention away from the things that necessarily always got, got me excited because those that we like to read, there are certain books that we like to read. But there was a part that I needed to grow in that I needed to read some books that weren't super fun to read. Am I making sense to you? So then I also need to begin to ask questions about people who were uh, from people who were making that transition, who had or who or who I can't speak today or who had already made that transition. And so I begin to basically uh, I'm a pretty teachable guy. It's begin to go and just wear people out with questions going, hey, look, what does it mean to be in a senior pastor role? What about this? What about that? What about this? And I just felt like I needed to do that. So I did. And part of what was going on in this is, is I knew I had to start looking at a much bigger picture than what I was currently seeing, meaning that I was in uh, basically work with the age group of anywhere between 13 to about 25 years old. How many you guys know there's more people in the church than just that age gap? So I need to look at, okay, God, what do you want to do with the children? God, what do you want to do with the adults? What are you doing in the finances? What are you doing in the business side? What are you doing in the leadership side? All these different areas, I realized that I needed to begin to basically, I'll say it this way, to step out of my comfort zone and begin to be uh, willing to step into other places. Pretty easy, right? So I was kind of ready for all that. I knew that was happening. But here's what I wasn't ready for. I wasn't ready for the fact that as soon as I came in agreement with God, what God was saying, it was as if this. It was as if I grabbed a door handle, opened it up, stepped through the threshold, and immediately I stepped into a wilderness. I wasn't ready for that. I thought God spoke. It's going to be great. Yay, we're going to do all this. And then the opposite happened. And I went, God, where did you go? Anybody ever been there? So listen, two years into this wilderness season, here's what I'm saying all this to get here. 
Two years into that wilderness season, I began to get impatient with the Lord's timing. It's funny. For ten years, I was good. He spoke to me and said, hey, we're about to do this, and now I'm getting antsy. And, and I really began to think in my own heart, okay, God, I think I'm ready. And uh, it didn't help much that people around me were telling me I was ready. Can't listen to everybody always, can you? So here I am, kind of getting built up, thinking, thinking pretty good about myself. In the middle of that, God gave me a dream. And here's the whole point I'm telling you this. God gave me a dream. And in this dream, um, basically I was walking like this. And I noticed in my hand, so I'm walking quietly. I'm in this older neighborhood of brick homes. And I look in my hand and I actually have an M1 Garand. It's basically, it's an old machine gun that they used in World War II. So I got this gun in my hand. I look and I'm decked out in military gear. Right. And then I look to my left and I see, man, I'm not alone. I'm actually on the right wing. I'm, I'm fanned out with a whole probably more than a platoon of other soldiers. And as we're walking and, and, and I, you know, basically it's uh, kind of right in between dark and, and light. Right. And so anyway, so we're kind of on the sneak attack. Right. And so we're going and, and I just keep thinking. And here's the part that really stuck out to me in the dream. It wasn't necessarily that I had this cool gun and I had this gear and I was with some awesome guys. The, the part that stuck out to me was this, is I had this feeling that said this. Here's actually what I kept telling myself. I, I, I'm not trained for this. I'm not trained for this. I'm not prepared. I kept saying that to myself, and I kept, I kept basically knowing this, that I, that I lacked the confidence that I knew I needed to be, to be successful in that situation, meaning I've never trained to be in a firefight. Are you all following me? And so, listen, so I'm sitting here having this inner dialogue, and as I'm having this inner dialogue, telling myself I'm not really good, good enough to be in this moment, shots begin to be fired. And immediately I looked over to my left, and there was just basically a... Small window, it was all black, and, um, and I just kind of knew, okay, the shots were coming from the house. I didn't even aim the gun right. I just kind of hip, you know, hip fired it, pop, pop, I fired a few rounds in the hole, and of course the rest of the team I was with, they handled business. That's what they do. So they, they were shooting whatever, blah, blah, blah. Immediately I knew this, that meant the threat was eliminated, and immediately as soon as the threat was eliminated, I knew I had nothing to do with it. Uh, basically, we just started walking forward again. And then I woke up. Are y'all following me today? Why am I saying all that? Because when I woke up, I knew the dream was from God because I couldn't shake that uneasiness. I couldn't shake that one sentence that I kept saying, I'm not trained for this. I'm not trained for this. I'm not trained for this. And I was like, Lord, I know that's from you. So what are you trying to tell me? And over the next few days, basically this, I realized that it wasn't time for me to step into my new assignment. Pretty simple. I wasn't ready. And here was the key that the Lord was saying, look, son, I'm not done training you yet. You see, it's basically at this point, I knew I was headed in the right direction, but I didn't have the necessary provision that I would desperately need to complete the future task at hand. Let me say it this way, to be successful. How many of you guys know God wants you to be successful? Amen. So basically, I want to encourage you in this, and we'll get going here in a second, but... Here's what I want to encourage you in. You may be here this morning thinking, I don't know why, blank, fill it in, why it isn't happening yet. I thought that was from God. Now, listen, let's get, let's get honest because I feel like I wouldn't be a good enough pastor to tell you if I didn't tell you this. There's some of us that think there's things from God that ultimately aren't from him. Yes, fair enough. Is that okay to say? In other words, in our zeal and our passion, uh, you know, maybe, uh, man, I've seen this a hundred times. I'm around Ben. Ben's real passionate about this. I kind of make his passion my passion. Right? And I try to somehow make that happen. But ultimately, that's not what God has for me. We, we do it in all kinds of different ways. But a majority of the time when I feel like, okay, why, God, is this not happening? The reason it's not happening is because he's not done preparing or equipping you for that new assignment yet. Are you with me today? I've told you this before. Basically, we all know that God wants us to be in his will more than we want to be in his will. He's a good dad, right? But when God opens up the door, he isn't opening up the door for us to fail. Listen, out of God's grace and God's mercy, he will let us grab a hold of a door that's locked and shake the doggone handle almost to death. But he'll keep it closed because he loves us too much than to let us fall flat on our face. Yes? Because, listen, this is why the preparation process is so important, because our success depends upon it. If I don't have that preparation time before I grab a hold of that door and walk through that door, guess what? Ultimately, let's just shoot straight. I'm going to end up misrepresenting the kingdom, and I'm going to end up misrepresenting him. 
Right? So God, in a lot of ways, is protecting his name, but he's also protecting us. If you're with me, so yeah. yeah. All right, so let's transition here a little bit. Here's the good news about all this preparation stuff, is we're really in great company. The reason I say that is because the Bible gives us several examples of men and women who have had to walk through seasons, seasons, plural, seasons of preparation before God's purpose could be fulfilled in their lives. In fact, let me show you one verse. I want you to think about what Mordecai told Esther in Esther 4.14. This is the NIV version. Esther 4.14. Remember, season of preparation. Here's what Mordecai said, and and, uh, most of you guys are probably familiar with the story there. But he says this, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position, that you have come, meaning that you were not always there, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Here's what he was saying. Esther, everything that you have went through in this past season by being in the king's palace, by going through literally all the the rituals and the routines of getting you smelling good and looking good and all that stuff. Right. All that stuff that you've done has led you to this moment. So understand that, Esther, God has prepared you for this purpose, that he has prepared you for such a time as this. I want you to understand today, if you're taking notes, write this down, that her preparation there positioned her for her destiny. Really simple. That her preparation positioned her for her destiny. Do you understand that if she would have never been willing to go into that, go into that, uh, you know, the king's palace and go through all of that, uh, what would seem like a very competitive time with all these other ladies, that if she would have never just kind of went with the routine, kept her heart right and said, yes, Lord, whatever you want to do, that she would have literally uh, never been available to stand in the gap for her people. Do you get that? The magnitude of that. Because, listen, I I guarantee you when Esther stepped into that situation, she never thought that the magnitude, that literally she was going to be the one person that was going to be standing in the gap between uh, literally uh, her people living or her people dying. She just thought she was going to go, you know, once again get dolled up because the king wanted her. Most of the time we don't really understand what we're going through, but God has a purpose on the other end that if we just trust him, he'll get us there. Yes. So let me give you a few more examples of people who had to endure a preparation season. Joseph spent 13 years in prison. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. Get that 40 years. Joseph spent uh, Joshua. Sorry, spent 40 years in the wilderness. Paul spent 14 years in obscurity. Then we see examples of Samuel, David, Elisha, John the Baptist, the disciples. The list kind of goes on and on and on. But lastly, I want to show you this because I think we skip over it a lot. Lastly, we have the greatest example of someone who endured a preparation time. And he's our greatest example in all things. It's Jesus. Now, watch this. Before we go through this today, just a a brief part. Please do yourself a favor and don't just look at Jesus being the son of God. Be willing to, in your heart, to go, he's also the son of man. Right? Obviously, we know he is was uh, born of a virgin, right? We know that the Holy Spirit, obviously the, the, the Immaculate Conception, we all know that, right? So here he is. He's 100% God, yet he's 100% man. And the man part had to go through uh, preparation and development and growth to, to ultimately end up being able to fulfill God's purpose. So watch this. Just a thought for you here. Do you realize that Jesus spent 30 years in preparation for three and a half years of ministry? 30 years of preparation for three and a half years of ministry. I'm not knocking it because I kind of did it. What do we do? We go to school for three and a half years for 30 years of ministry. Right? God's timetable works so different than us. You, you know, listen, there's, a, there's a, um, a man of God that I respect highly. His name is Kenneth Hagin. He's going to be with the Lord. Okay? I remember listening to a thing that Kenneth Hagin said one time. He said that he'd been, I think he'd been preaching since he was 17 years old. He was on his deathbed and basically said, uh, God, I give you my life. God healed him dramatically. I mean, there was, anyways, he was sick from time. He was a little boy. God heals him. And he begins to preach. He's preaching for like 13 years. And by the time he reached the age of 30, the Lord spoke to him and said, Kenneth, now I'm ready for you to step into ministry. He said, Lord, what have I been doing the last 13 years? We, we operate so different, don't we? True. Anyways, let me get back on point. Listen, we don't think about that with Jesus, that 30 years of preparation too often. And the reason is because we mainly focus on all the things that Jesus taught and all the things Jesus accomplished in his ministry. It's kind of understandable because that's the part we're supposed to obey, right? 
but we listen. But today I want us to take a step back and go, okay, uh, but what did it take for him to get there? What did it take for him to literally be able to be at 30 years old, launched into ministry, and then literally turn the world upside down? He's still affecting the world, still affecting you today. What did it take for that? All right, so let's, let's sit there for a moment, okay? Are you all with me? So basically in the, in the biblical account of the life of Jesus, we, we see his birth. Fast forward, we see him at 2 years old. Fast forward, we see him at 12 years old. Fast forward, we see him at 30 years old. There's these gaps where we don't fully know what's going on in Jesus' life. In fact, we're only given one clue during the 18 years from the time that Jesus is 12 to the time that he is 30. And it's found in Luke 2.52. I want to read this to you. And open up your heart and say, Lord, what do you want to do with me in this, okay? But it says this in Luke 2.52. It says, and Jesus grew. Somebody say, he grew. It's very interesting to me. In the, I looked this up in the Greek language, and I thought, okay, what does this mean? And I, and I saw something I've never seen before. Basically, it means this, the word grew. It means to increase. I said, okay, Lord, I got that. It means to make progress. Got that, too. But here's what I wasn't ready for. It actually means in the Greek language to strike or beat Forward by hammering as a blacksmith lengthens or forges metals. So to understand that here's the son of man, the son of God, fully God, full flesh. Right. And literally the father is striking or beating him forward literally as a blacksmith lengthens or forges metal. Are you with me today? See, it's this idea of him being formed or shaped or molded into a particular image, weapon, tool, whatever you want to say it for a specific purpose. So what are the areas that he was forged into? What are the areas that he basically was beat in? I don't mean beat like he's, okay, I'm, you get the point, okay? Um, don't make it what it's not, please. So it says, in Jesus grew, once again, what areas? In wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now let me show you what these things mean really fast. They're pretty simple. Wisdom speaks of his mental growth. Once again, he was, he was born just like you and I were. Okay, it speaks of his mental growth, meaning that he had to grow in knowledge, he had to grow in intelligence. And then the part that says that he grew in stature, it speaks of his physical growth. We get that. It's his physical maturity. Obviously, Jesus grew as a man. But here's the part that I want you to see, because we don't always think about this with Jesus. But favor with God actually speaks to his spiritual growth. That he had to grow spiritually. What a crazy thought, huh? God in the flesh has to grow spiritually. But he had to grow spiritually. Favor with man, and please don't underestimate this, but favor with man speaks to his growth socially. That he had to learn. Once again, it blows my mind. Here's the creator of the universe. He created us, but yet he had to learn to talk to us. Now, now, watch this. This is just a total side note, okay? Um, Lately, I've been listening to this guy just on leadership and... and, and, uh, you know, pretty much teamwork, unity, all these things. And I got a few of his books, but I was listening to part of a uh, message that he taught the other day at a leadership conference. And, and he said this. He said that um, he named some kind of organization that they basically over a 30-year period that they tracked fast risers in the business world, meaning guys who graduated with their MBA. And as soon as they got there, you know, they climbed the ladder really fast. And he said after 30 years, they uh, determined 17 things that determine if they succeeded or if they failed. So watch this. The top two things that caused people to fail, okay, in the, that business world, the first one was this, was their inability to adapt. Was their inability to adapt. How many of you guys know in life we got to adapt, right? Yes? The second reason that they failed was this, is because they couldn't play in the sandbox with others. They couldn't get along with people. So here they are, these brainiacs, and, uh, but because they can't have a normal conversation and just work as a team, these guys were falling flat on their face and getting fired. Are you with me? Now, on the flip side, what were the two things that caused them to be successful? Number one, they could play in the sandbox. Number two is that they had the ability to adapt. Pretty interesting, huh? So watch this. But I've seen people, and this, and this is you know, maybe a side note, but I've seen people who are some of the most gifted people in the kingdom going nowhere. And the reason is, is because of those two things. They can't adapt. They can't, they can't, they can't get past the way they think it should be done and, and literally gravitate and go, okay, what is God doing as, as the whole? What's he doing? 
Where are we going as a church? I can tell you countless people that I've seen this too. In other words, they can't ever, they can't ever submit to another man's vineyard. It's like they don't understand that before you can have the right to run your own vineyard, you've got to serve another man's vision. Am I making sense to you today? So, and then at the same time, once again, I've seen these people who are extremely gifted. They just can't get along with people. And they have all these hopes and aspirations. And guess what? Nothing's happening because of their two issues. Anyways, that was free. <laughs> I feel better. Okay, so anyways, all right. So listen, here's kind of the point, okay? It is basically, I, I want us today, on a serious note, to go, okay, Lord, what are you trying to do for us in this? You, you know, even, even take the part where it speaks about mental growth. Do you understand that you can be 40 years old and still think like you're 15? You can. Trust me, I've been this way too long. I've seen it. I live with myself. You know, I, I, I said something to Jen last night. I said something like, okay, 14-year-old, right? And she, and she said something back at me, and I said, no, you got it wrong. I'm the 10-year-old, right? So anyway, it's just, we were, it was like a good moment. We were laughing. It wasn't like a pot shot. It was funny. Anyways, so, no, trust me. I'm not going to lie. So she might listen to this and get me, you know? I appreciate that. Anyways, so, watch this. so here's the point, okay, and we've got to move on because this is, I'm just kind of building up to where I want to go. If the Son of God had to go through a period of growth, development, and preparation before he stepped into his ministry assignment, guess what? And so will we. Pretty simple, isn't it? But, but please, please do yourself a favor today. Don't think that that's only one or two. It's a lifetime of these things. It's really a cycle. It's a cycle, and, and I don't get it. I don't understand it. But, but listen, I, I don't... Um, we can't, we can't just stop and believe biblically and think that just because we got born again, everything's going to go great. Okay? And, and I don't want to get, meaning that, what I mean by that is in the sense that every day there's going to be an open heaven. Because it's just not that way. Right? Let, let me say it this way. There is, because he opened it. But the fact that I just don't recognize it. Okay? Anyways, I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say. So let me go ahead. Here we go. If you have your Bible, I want you to look at Luke chapter 3. And I'm going to wait for you to get there. Luke chapter 3. This is the part that I really want to sit on today, and, and I, I hope I can communicate this effectively um, because this is really, I mean, it was like the, the heavens opened. I'll use there. There we go. Hit reverse. Oh, basically, a week and a half ago, I was reading this, and my mind was just like, wow, God, I never saw it that way before. So just want to share it with you today. So let me show you what I believe the Father desires to do in us. Somebody say in us. As we walk through the season of preparation, please look at Luke chapter 3. We're going to read verses 2 through 6. And Holy Ghost, please give me the ability to communicate this. It says this, While Ananias and Caiaphas were high priests, it says, The word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias. Where did it come to him at? In the wilderness. It says, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the word, uh, written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, that's talking about Isaiah chapter 40, it says this, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The part prepare the way of the Lord simply means this, is just to get people's minds ready to receive the Messiah. That's what it means, okay? So it says, make his path straight. It says, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see, shall see the salvation of God. Here's really what I want us to notice today. And here's what I was like, wow, for me anyways. I got the fact that it was in the wilderness that we we're equipped to prepare the way of the Messiah. I get that. Okay. But here's what I guess really kind of caught me off guard. Is the reason is, it's in the wilderness. is because before he can prepare, let me say it this way. Before we can pre- prepare the way for him. He must first prepare his way in us. I'm going to say that again. Before we can prepare the way for him, he must first prepare his way in us. Now, let me, let me maybe um, go this route, okay? Understand John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We know he's the door. It's salvation. We get that. So Jesus is the way. But not only is he the way, he has a way. He has a way of living, right? He has a way that his kingdom works. Are you all following me today? So, you know, I think about the other verse that says in, um, you know, um, Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
Right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What's the kingdom there? It's really his way of doing things. So before we can be put in a position to prepare the way of the Lord, to get people's minds and hearts ready to receive him, guess what? He's got to prepare his way in us. Now let me break this down for you, okay? Let's look at what happens in us during the preparation season. Number one, hang with me, okay? We're going to go somewhere. Number one is our valleys are filled. Hope this makes sense. Our valleys are filled. And what does that mean? The word valley there in the Greek language simply means this, a ravine or a gap. Once again, I told you guys last week I like survival shows. And uh, no, Mr. Matt, it isn't Redneck Island or whatever you said. <laughs> that was a great email. Okay, anyway, so so basically this ravine is simply this. And you've seen it on uh, you know, a lot of survival shows. They're walking along trying to find a way out of where they're at. And then they look up and they realize there's a steep cliff here, there's a steep cliff here. And they really look and they go, I don't see a way out. Here's what this means for me today is that there's situations in our lives, in our past, that have become habits, become hurts, become insecurities, weaknesses, inadequacies, however you want to say it. But we literally feel like we're standing in a ravine looking up and we go, God, I don't see a way out. Are you all feeling me today? Listen, and the next thing it says this, it says it's a ravine or a gap. What's a gap? It's a break. It's a hole. There's something, in other words, we stop and go, God, there's something just broken in me. Once again, I'm insecure. There's feelings of inadequacy. Listen, it could be it could be a past divorce. It could be uh, it could be whatever. It could be a tragedy. It could be all these different things that could happen in our lives. But somewhere along the way, we just go, God, I don't see a way out. Now, watch this. What does the father want to do uh, for us or in us in the uh, wilderness place? We said that he wants to do what? What do we say? Our valleys are filled. So the word filled there means this. It means to be made complete. That literally, here's these gaps, here's these ravines. God's saying, look, I want to make it complete. I want to fill it up. What's he filling those spots up with? It actually means in the Greek Greek language there that he wants to fulfill his promises. Do you understand that? That God is literally saying, I look at you, I see you, and how you feel in all these situations. God's saying, you know what, I want to apply my promises to that situation. Am I making sense? Am I explaining this okay? Okay, don't lie to me. All right, here we go. So basically it's this. It's during these seasons that God wants to show us that he is not only the way in the kingdom, but he's also the way out of certain situations. Okay? And here's what I mean. That it's in these uh, preparation or these wilderness seasons that he wants to heal our broken hearts. That he wants to give us beauty for ashes. That he wants to give us the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? So that we may be called trees of righteousness. Isn't that so good? Listen, bottom line is this. What does God want to do in that area? Is he is wanting to make us whole. And there's something about us just being honest in those wilderness seasons that going, Lord, I'm broken. Are you all following me? I, I have personally found out that I'm amazed at, at uh, how many people. It's not that they just won't come tell Ben their stuff. They're just not willing to get in the prayer closet and go, Lord, here's my stuff. He already knows your stuff. And if, but the thing is this, is that if that, if you somehow, watch this, if you somehow keep that thing a secret, then it still has power over you. But the moment that you release that secret in the presence of the Lord, then guess what? It's lost its power. And God says, now I can do something in you. Are you all following me today? Listen, here's what he's trying to do. It's in James 1.4. It simply says this, to be what? Made perfect. That means mature and complete Lacking nothing. That's really what he's wanting to say. Look, where you are lacking, I want to come fill it. Are you following me? Once again, it's like I live a lifestyle of depression. Well, God says I want to bring you joy. Yeah, I mean, just kind of go down the, go down the list, okay? And so, let I me mean, maybe even say this to you, and I think I said this a few weeks ago. But the word mature there, or perfect, actually it doesn't mean that you're flawless. Thank God. Thank God. Because none of us are there. But what it does mean, I think I gave you guys the analogy, it simply means this. Um, whatever. If, if Kyle and I are working together, I'm not much of a handyman. If you want some fits, call my wife. That's truth, all right? Her dad taught her things. My dad didn't teach me those things, all right? Now she teaches me those things, okay? So, anyways, so if, if he said, he said uh, hey, hey, PQ, hey, grab me, grab me a screwdriver. Remember, we talked about this. And I said, what you need? You need a Phillips head or you need a, um, my mind's going blank. Phil said, flathead, thank you. Golly, I, I know more than that. 
I, I do know more than that. So, so I, he said, hey, give me a flathead, whatever. So I, so I go grab a flathead and I bring it to him. And I say, hey, man, will this work? He says, it's perfect. Now, that doesn't mean that that screwdriver is flawless. But what it means is, is it's good enough to get the job done. That's where God's trying to bring us to. Once again, he wants us to prepare his way. He's trying to bring us to the point of those parts that keep us bound up. He's trying to deal with them so we can be good enough, right, to fulfill his purpose. I don't mean good enough by worthy, but basically we can be healed enough, okay? Because we've all seen people, let me say this and we'll move on. We've all seen people that really minister to people out of their own hurt instead of out of their own healing. If you read over in Corinthians, it says this, that basically with the same comfort that God has comforted you with, you will comfort other people. And until that thing's healed to me, I'll never bring the comfort of the Lord to people. Yes? Second thing he wants to do, and this is pretty good. He wants to make our mountains, or let's say this, so number two, our mountains are brought low. That's what happens in the wilderness. Our mountains are brought low. All right, in biblical language, mountains represent this. Please get this. Mountains represent the strength of man. It's the strength of man, meaning this. It's a man's pride. It's a man's arrogance. It's his confidence in the flesh. It's their confidence in their own wisdom, their own knowledge, their own abilities, their confidence that they can get the the job done on their own. That's what mountains represents a lot of times in certain scriptures in the kingdom, okay? So what is he trying to do to our pride? Because we all got it, right? Let, let me break it down for you. If you think you don't have it this morning, that means you got it, all right? Hallelujah. All right, so here we go. You don't, you know, I'm just so humble. <laughs> Jesus. So he wants to take where we're, we just basically once again got this pride and this arrogance, once again, because we all got it. He wants to bring it low. And here's what that means. To be brought low means this. It means to bring into a humble condition. I love this next part. To assign to a lower rank. We think we're the stuff, right? <laughs> and God's saying, I'm bring it down a notch, boss. You know? It means to be ranked below others. And that's really a view that you have. It's not that you think that you're a secondary citizen, but it's the fact that you learn how to look to other people's interests instead of just your own. Yes? Are you all with me today? Here's what I really want to say, and hopefully you get this. This is a whole bunch of verses. But you see, it's in these seasons that we learn to fall upon the rock before the rock falls upon us. It's where we learn that humility comes before honor. It's where we learn not to assume that we have a certain seat at the head of the table or to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. It's where we learn to do nothing from selfish ambition, right, or to make ourselves of no reputation. And it's here that we learn what, please get this, that we are just stewards of the gifts that we have been given, not the ruler of them. You understand it's in the preparation season that you learn that pride comes before a fall, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is where we learn the true meaning of, for the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is where we also learn that's not by our might, not by our power, but it's by his spirit. And lastly, it's really this. This is what you learn in this, in this season here. It's where you learn to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's the meekness of the Lord. Yes? Yes? Because, see, let me tell you why, why these things, once again, this is so important. Because if you're a very prideful person, we all got areas that we deal with. Okay? Let's just shoot straight. But if we're a prideful person, then we're always living like we got something to prove. And we always want to show, we want to impress people, we want to do all these things. And we don't ever do things from the right heart. You know, in other words, I have this gift, so I want to use it. It's not that I love the people, therefore I want to serve them. Are you all following me? Yes, no? Yes? We could go on in that one. But here we go. Number three. Here we go. Is our crooked ways are made straight. Y'all ain't always been saved, have you? Some of y'all aren't sure. All right. Crooked ways are made straight. Crooked means this. It means to be perverse, wicked, and warped. Isn't that encouraging? Perverse, wicked, and warped. Hallelujah, I'm warped. All right? Straight means this there. It means to be upright, true, and sincere. Elbow your neighbor and tell him to wake up. Straight means to be upright, true, and sincere. Here's what we're saying here. Please get this. That in this spot where he wants to make the crooked places straight, this is what we're saying, that God wants to, by his empowering grace, 
that he wants us to put off our former conduct of trying to do what? Trying to fulfill the desires of our own flesh and our own mind. And do yourself a favor. This has to do with, obviously, sexual purity, but it also has to do with purity in other areas. Because it's more than just that, right? Listen, it's here that we learn to make a provision, not to make provision for the flesh because we've made a covenant with our eyes. It's here that we grab a hold of who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, who shall stand in his holy place. Only he who has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. It's here that we recognize that blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, this is the place where we learn to hate what is evil and to love what is good. This is where we learn to stand for righteousness and holiness. Are you with me today? This is where we learn to have pure motives and to be kingdom-minded, to live blameless before the Lord with sincere faith and a pure conscience, to have what? Genuine love. It's this idea of this verse, what happens in you here, is where you say, search me and know me, O God. If there be any wicked way within me, right? What's the name of God? Create in me a pure heart, O God. That's really what's going on there is God wants your heart to be pure once again so it's so that you can see him and be with him and not misrepresent him and all those things. Fourthly is this is our rough places are made smooth. Lord Jesus, help us here. As anybody ever just said, hey, look, you're just rough. I mean, you've got a rough personality. Maybe you haven't heard that, but I've heard that a lot. Okay? I've heard that a whole, whole lot. Hey, man, you're just rough, right? So he wants to make the rough places smooth. And rough means this. It means rough. And it means rocky. Now, let me say what I think really here, okay? Watch this. Okay. It means rough in the Greek. And so, li- listen, but here's, here's I'm going to give you an explanation here. It's basically this. It's the hard places in our heart. It's the places that we haven't allowed the tender love of Father God touch yet. That's really what we're talking about. That all around us in this room, more than likely, there's a place in our hearts we just said, you can't touch it. Can't touch it. And there's that part where literally his tenderness hasn't came and just put, he hasn't just put his finger on that area. Anybody with me today? Yes? No? L- listen, uh, let me just say this before we get rolling here. Most of the time where if, we, where if we're rough, really where it, where it shows is in our words. Yep. You, you, know, there's, you know, there are these people that go, you know, I get it. You know, I know their heart. Their heart's gold. Oh, as they say in South Louisiana, Mesha, he's cute. You know, whatever. He's nice. But ultimately, guess what? If he's talking that way, there's something wrong in his heart. And I can say that because that's been me. Right? And I've, and I've had people come pat me on the shoulder. We know your heart. Yeah, I get that. But there was an issue with me. Right? I'll admit it. You may not, but I will. Right? I knew there was something wrong with me. And I knew it was because I didn't have a revelation of his love. Yes? So here it is, once again, it's talking about he wants to take these rough places, he wants to make them smooth. The word smooth there actually means level. Really simple, level. It means this, that the rough places are gone. It's almost like if you put your hand on that situation, then you know you can't even tell it's there. Let me maybe say it this way. Here's where you know if a rough place has been made smooth. Five years ago when this happened, you reacted this way. Fast forward five years, same thing happens and you doesn't even phase you. That rough place has been made smooth. Are you following me? You don't even notice it's there anymore. And guess what? The people around you don't know it's there anymore either. Are you following me? Yes? It's like, listen, I mean, I'll shoot straight with you. Because of my background, all those things, listen, my world and I, my wife and I grew up in two different worlds. Completely, completely two different worlds. She grew up on the church pew. I grew up with just chaos, Right? Okay, and, and so, and I've kind of shared some of that with you before, but literally my family, um, if they were speaking, it wasn't edification. Okay, there wasn't much edification and comfort and encouraging going on. It, it was, it was bain, mainly because they were people who were broken, insecure, angry, and alcoholics and all this, that when they would go speak, the words that would come out of their mouth weren't super, uh, you know, edifying. We'll just leave it at that. And when you grow up in that culture and you see your dad speak to your stepmom a certain way, you see your stepdad speak to your mom a certain way, you see your mom speak back a certain way, you follow me? Then you bring all of that garbage into your marriage and you begin to do the same thing because that's how you've seen situations handled in the past. Are you following me? Let, let me maybe say it this way. You that have a multitude of children, I mean, you have several, right? It, it means this. How many of you guys know that you, you tend to treat your third one a little different than your first one? Because how many times did I personally, uh, communicating with my daughter, 
go, oh my God, I sound like my mother. I wasn't meaning to, right? And here I am, born again, saved, all these things, spirit-filled, and I'm acting like that carnal woman. Are you following me? And the reason is, is because I had a rough place that the Lord hadn't made smooth yet. There was something about I didn't know how to stop and look at my daughter through his eyes. Yeah? I, I, you know, I was dealing with her. It's, it's kind of like this. Um, you, you know, if, if we take a, you know, some of you guys have older kids, but take a step back and think, how many times did you whip them or punish them simply because they were an inconvenience? Because you didn't want to take the time to stop and communicate the Father's heart, so you just dealt with it. Am I making sense to y'all? Now, I believe in weapons, right? The Bible says that, okay? So don't get me wrong, okay? And, and God knows my mama really believed in them. She didn't even know the Bible verse, but man, if there was one that was in her heart, it was that one, all right? She, she lived that thing faithful. Oh, help me, Lord. So anyways, so... Whatever. Y'all get the point, okay? It's, it's, listen, we're born again. There's just rough places. Let me read a few verses to you and um, that'll maybe explain what the Lord really wants to do with you in this situation. So look at Colossians. It'll be up on the screen. Colossians three twelve through 15. It says this. It's what the Lord wants to do in your heart. It says, therefore, as the elect of God. Is that you? Y'all should all sit yes really loud there. Yes, it's you. Says, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Let me maybe stop here, because um, I realize that most of the guys in the room were raised much different than girls, than the women. Right? We we were raised not to cry. We were ra- uh, you know raised to suck it up. You know we'd get the crap beat out of us. But don't you cry. My butt is on fire, G. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I, I need to cry. I'm sick. You know. Anyways, whatever. Clearly, you people in the north don't believe like they believe in the south. All right. So anyways, we fry chicken, drink sweet tea, and we whip children. All right. Here we go. Yes. Amen. All right. Here we go. It says, therefore, as the elective God of beloved put on tender mercies. Watch this. Uh, let, let, me, let me get back to the point. As guys, it's hard for us to read something like that and say, Lord, do that in my heart. Because it's, it's so opposed to the way we were raised. Am I making sense? In other words, if you show any tenderness, you're not a man. You're weak. Maybe it's just me. Okay, maybe all right. Maybe it's just me. Moving along. Here we go. It says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. That means patience, Karen. And then it says in verse 13, it says this. It says, bearing with one another. I'm going to pick on you. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Watch this. If anyone has a complaint against another. You ever had a complaint against somebody? It says, even as Christ forgave you, forgive them. Ouch. It says, so you also must do. Watch this, verse 14. But, notice these next three words, above all these. In other words, beyond all of those things, put on love. It says, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It says, to which you also were called in one body, and this last part's huge, I have to work on this a lot, and be thankful. And to be thankful. But it's that part, if you really let the love of God, which is really the dominating factor of all those other things, right? It's, it's basically if you were looking at a wheel, going at the wagon wheel, that's the, that's the middle piece, and everything else kind of comes from that. It's the love of God inside of you. That's the best way to get the rough places smooth. Watch this in Ephesians uh, 4, 29. We're going to read all the way through Ephesians 5, chapter 2. It says this. It says, let no corrupt word. Once again, rough people. We speak roughly, right? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Ne- meaning this, of, of building people up. Watch this. It says, that it may impart grace to who? To the hearers. To your spouse. To your children to your family, to your friends, whoever, that literally God is saying that every person you speak to, they need to receive it with grace. Yes? Amen. How many of you guys are guilty of that, of not doing that? My hand's up. Well, way higher than you guys. I can throw some legs and wiggle some toes. and ah, Jesus, help us. Verse 30 says this. says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you all get that meaning? Watch this. Look at what we just read, right? 
and go to the next verse. So the next time we're in our house screaming and hollering at our kids, ask yourself, did I just grieve the Holy Spirit? Some truth, isn't it? It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, which basically just means fighting verbally, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, watch this. So here's basically, first part was the rough spots. Here's the smooth part. It says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Awesome verse here, five, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Act like your daddy. It says, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us. Let me, let me give you some hope here, okay? Bottom line, the Bible says this. It says that the love of God, the agape love, unconditional love, has been shed abroad in your hearts. It means it's been poured out. Which means because we are born again, we have the nature of Christ within us, guess what? That we have the ability to walk that walk. But it's once again, if we allow him to, to chip off the rough spots and we really live a submitted and obedient life and say, Lord, I need you to live through me. You know, it's that verse that, uh, man, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed it, believing God's going to take hold. All right? It says Galatians 2.20 has taken hold. It just needs to go more. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Meaning this, that I don't just live my life the way I want to, but I allow Jesus to live his life through me. Yes? That's really the love walk. Watch these. i got three more verses here for you, okay? Watch this in James 1.26. Everybody say, ouch. I said, ouch. It's going to hurt, all right? I tried to take you all to black church, and you all weren't ready for it. All right, here we go. Anyway, whatever, right? James 1.26, it says this. It says, if anyone among you, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, it says he deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Ouch. Yeah, I told you. I prepared you. All right. Watch this. It says in James 3.10, it says, And out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Get that. Same person speaking blessings in one moment, cursings in the next. And it says, My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Right? It's, it's like trying to take uh, pure water and dumping something else in it just shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't be doing both, right? Let me, just, let me maybe say it this way. Pure water and dirty water don't flow from the same stream. That's really what he's saying, okay? The living waters inside of you, we should be speaking life and not death, right? And then it says this, and this verse is just kind of help the fellas out in here, but it, it obviously is for the women too. But it says this in Proverbs 19.22. It says, what is desired in a man? In other words, God is saying, this is what I desire from you, is loving kindness. Loving kindness. What a verse, huh? That's a good spot to say, oh, yeah. All right, let me show you the outcome, and we're going to be done, okay? Let me show you basically the outcome. In other words, if we go through all these areas, the rough place is being smooth, the crooked place is being made straight, the, the mountains being brought low, the valleys being filled, okay? If we go through all that, let me show you the outcome. I'm going to go back to the verse that it says this initially in the prophetic word in Isaiah chapter 40. It says this. Once all that's done, it says in verse 5, it says that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Where's the glory of the Lord revealed? In you and through you. Amen? It says all flesh, all flesh. That means your wife. That means your kids, your neighbor, all those people. Okay, people get on your nerves at the grocery store. All those people shall see it. And it says, once again, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Meaning, once again, if the Lord has said it, once again, I said it earlier, I prayed it. It's actually in, in Kings. But that which the Lord has spoken with his mouth, he'll fulfill it by his hand. He'll do it in you. Amen? Let me show you what you look like when you come out of the wilderness. At least this is God's hope. This is a beautiful verse in Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 8, verse 5. It says this. It says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Leaning on her or his beloved. Man, that's just beautiful to me. Who is this coming out of the wilderness? Leaning, meaning that God, 
when we go through the season with, with God, the outcome is this, is that we come out not on our own, but we're leaning on him saying, Father, I depend on you. Because that's really what happens in the wilderness. We learn dependency. We learn trust. We learn faith. All these things. Am I making sense to you all today? That we're really leaning upon him. I think that's amazing. Let me show you this last verse just because I think it's cool and I wanted to share it. All right? Proverbs 22.11 says this. Because we're talking about rough places being made smooth. It says, He who loves purity of heart and has grace on what? His lips. The king, the king, the king will be his friend. Jesus, right? Jesus. All right. Y'all can stand to your feet, please. Stretch those old bones. Let's go. Stretch them. I'm going to mess with you all today. Am I the only one that wakes up every morning and it takes me a minute to get... Oh, man. <laughs> Watch this. Three, three quick things here, okay? Bottom line is this, is guys, when we're in the wilderness, because once again, you've either went through one before, you're either in one now, or you're headed into one. There's just some hope, all right? So, listen, we can't make the mistake in the wilderness uh, by backing away from God. If you're in the wilderness, you've got to press in. Now, let me maybe say something to you. It's in the wilderness season that you don't go looking for signs and wonders. You just seek his face. That's really what it's about, yes? Because, listen, a lot of times we're in a wilderness season. We think that we've missed something. There's got to be more, and I've got to go chase it. Instead of going, okay, God, I've got to chase you. Are you all following me? Yes? So it's in the wilderness season, once again, that you, you can't take your foot off the gas. You've got to keep pressing in. And it's this. I told you this the first week we talked about this. Is it's in the wilderness. We need to trust, what? That God knows where he's taking us. We've got to trust him. Somebody say trust. We've got to trust that he knows where he's taking us. And we've got to believe that he knows what we need when we get there. So you just do that. L- listen, l- let, me, let me say this. We won't say this all day. It keeps coming back to me. It's this, in the kingdom, we don't work for rest. You hear me? We work from rest. Are you following me? Meaning this, in the wilderness season, a lot of times we just need to quit trying to strive and try to get, try to fix it. We just got to rest. <sighs> All right, Lord, whatever you want to do. And watch this, and rest doesn't mean inactivity. Right? God's still moving in you. He's still doing stuff. And really, let let me maybe say this to you, okay? For the last probably, until I moved here, probably the last year before I moved here, almost any time I was in prayer and I would close my eyes, I would always see a picture. And God works that way with me quite a bit. But I would see a picture. And in the picture, um, I told somebody this the other day. I can't remember. But basically it was like there was a full moon and I was standing pretty much in, in a forest of pine trees. And all I saw was basically it was just super foggy and I couldn't really see. It was like basically from about from here to the wall was about as far as I could see. And, I, and I, it was so funny. I kept telling Jen, it's like, man, this impression I keep getting. Every time I close my eyes, I see that picture again. I mean, literally for like a year I would see that. And I hope I'm not exaggerating there, but it was for a while. And, uh, but I'd say this, babe, I have no clue what God's doing in me, but I know he's doing something. That's really what's happening in the wilderness. God, I don't know what you're changing. I don't know what you're messing with, but I just feel, I feel myself changing. Something's, something's moving. You, you know, listen, we, we were singing earlier. Regina was singing, uh, I want more of you. Once again, if you want more of him, guess who's got to change? He ain't changing. He's immutable. He's the unchanging God, right? All right, so watch this. Let me give you two thoughts here. Is this. Here's the thought. So just kind of let this uh, marinate in you is God can only prepare us to the degree or the level that we'll allow him to. That God can only prepare you, okay? Prepare you for war, prepare, however you want to say it, okay? To the degree or the level that you let him. And that means this, really what it means this, is because I'm a person of the word, I'm letting him change me there. Because I'm a person of prayer, I'm letting him there. If I'm a person of worship, I'm letting him, letting him there. Just in life, if I stop for a minute and go, okay, Lord, how do you want to do this? And wait for the voice of the Lord and quit trying to do everything on our own. That's how we literally just sit back and just let the Lord change us. Am I making sense to you all? So it's kind of this thought, okay? And, um, and maybe set it up and say it this way. 
I'm amazed by how many times we, me included, have thought that we've slayed a giant in the kingdom. And the truth is, is, you know, we got a cub. Right? We got a cub. We got big moments. But it's kind of this idea that if he can't get us prepared to fight the bear or the lion, we will never have the opportunity to slay the giant. Yeah? So understand this. Everybody look at me, please. Okay? For all of us in here, God's not done yet. We're still breathing. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He is committed to that plan. He's committed to that purpose. And that thing is great. Yes? It's great. So there's great things in store. Great things have already happened in many of our lives. Okay? And I don't want to uh, minimize anything that God's already done with all of us. Okay? But there's things still ahead that he wants us to do. And it's literally going from faith to faith, glory to glory. It's going to take that to get that done. Yes? All right. I think I'm done. I think. All right. Just begun. There's a whole lot that I want to say. Let me say this because I probably won't go there. I see you thought I was done. <laughs> there are certain parts that I really wanted to uh, talk about today that I did not have time. And, uh, but I want to talk about Moses. Let me just give you one thought that I wanted to bring up kind of to close that. Okay, so here's Moses, all right? At the age of 40 years old, we know that he, had, he knew that he was the deliverer of Israel, right? Okay, you can read this in Acts chapter 7. It's amazing, okay? But he knew that he was going to be the deliverer of Israel. He, he understood. Basically, God spoke to him. He had his assignment. He had his destiny, his calling, however you want to word it. And what did he do? He said, okay, I'm going to validate myself. And I'm going to show them that I have great leadership ability. Because, listen, we all look at Moses and go, man, he had a stuttering issue. Do you realize in Acts 7 it says that he was mighty in words and deeds? Remember who he was before the wilderness. He was trained in the, in the best uh, you know, educational system that there was. He was a prince. Okay, So the greatest kingdom in the earth at that time, he was trained in that. So if there was anybody that was equipped to lead Israel or Egypt, it was him. Are you with me? So what does he do? He hears this call from God, 40 years old. He decides on his own authority he's going to step out, his own ability, his own wisdom, and he's going to go over there to that Egyptian that was oppressing another, uh, oppressing another Israelite, right? And what does he do? He kills him. And it says there in Acts 7, because he thought that the people would see, that's our guy. That's the guy that's going to get us out of here. And it says what? The next day he rolls up, told two guys, hey, fellas, quit arguing. And they said, hey, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? And the next thing we see is this mighty deliverer hightailing it out of town to save his neck. And he goes to Midian, right? Watch this. For the next 40 years, he watched another man's sheep. Do you understand? We are the flock of God. He had to learn how to submit to Jethro and watch that man's sheep for 40 years. His heart changed and cultivated. Why? Because one day he would have to lead the sheep of Israel. He had to lead another man's flock. Are you all following me? So, anyways, I'm saying a little bit more than what I planned on here. But, anyways, so watch this. Mighty indeed runs through the desert. Forty years later, he's just bumbling around the desert, burning bush, right? Walks up to it. The Lord speaks to him. And he says, what? I've seen their tears, heard their cries. Now I've come down to send you. He said, I've come to now, Moses, after 40 years of wilderness, I'm sending you. And what does Moses say? I can't. I'm afraid. He was broken. Do you understand that? He was, bro- he was a broken man in the presence of the Lord. And it wasn't that he was unfixable, but he knew that, watch this, he knew if God didn't go with him, he couldn't succeed. He already tried that route. So he knew when he, he, he basically lost confidence, what, in those mountain places of his life where he thought he had the goods. You all follow me? And then, so what happens? We all know the story that God sent him, and obviously we know they delivered them. But here's the point that I want to make. Watch this. How many, how many uh, people, in the, as far as the Egyptians, how many was killed when Moses tried to do it his way? One. Fast forward 40 years when he did it God's way, the entire army was at the bottom of the sea. So listen, folks, we can do it our way. Or we can do it God's way. Yes? I don't know about you, but I want to do it His way. 
So, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do in me. Amen. So let's close our eyes and just lift our hands. Father, just on that note, Lord, we just say, Lord, we want to do it your way. God, we, want, we don't want to do it our way. Lord, we even see through Moses. And, Lord, it says in your word in Corinthians, God, that the men of old were given to us as our example that we should learn from them. And so, Lord, we don't take that lightly and go, okay, that's Old Testament, blow it off. No, we, we tune our hearts in and go, God, what, do, what can we learn from Moses' life? And, Lord, we're learning today that we don't want to do it our way because our strength, our wisdom, our abilities and all that, Lord, there's filthy rags. Your Bible says that. So our righteousness has filthy rags. There's nothing good in us except you. And so, Lord, today we just say, God, however you want to do your way in me so you can do it through me, Father, do it. So, Father, we just welcome you and open up our hearts today and say, God, uh, whatever mountains that need to be made, uh, literally be brought low, bring them low today. God, bring them low. Show us, God, where, where we think maybe too highly of ourselves than we ought. Father, we ask, God, that you would come and just uh, begin to humble us, put us in a humble condition. Let us be like Jesus in that area. Father, we pray, God, those uh, valleys, God, that they would literally be filled. Father, there's broken vessels all in this room. Father, will you please come and bring your healing power and, God, your promises, and, God, begin to fill up, up, fill up those areas in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you would come and you'd make the rough places smooth. God, we ask that you'd make the crooked places straight. God, once again, in us so you can do it through us. Lord, we want to, do, we want to give you glory, God, in our lives. That's it. God, we want to honor you in all that we say and do. And so, Father, just, we just say to you today, once again, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I hate clocks. How about y'all? Anyways, so, Father, today I just bless your people. Father, I thank you for their awesome hearts. I thank you for what you're doing in them and through them. And, Lord, just as they go this week, Lord, thank you for watching over them. God, those who need healing, God, we declare healing in their bodies in Jesus' name. God, those that are literally in the workplace, in the marketplace, God, let them shine bright for your glory. Father, we thank you for the, uh, God, we know we have callings, but, Lord, even the assignment that they're currently in, Father, thank you for helping them to fulfill that, uh, God, by your anointing and by your grace and by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless you guys. You are more than welcome to hang out and chit-chat if you want to. Uh,